I want to win again for sure, but like my next goal is, is Bathurst. Now that uh, emphasis on that raises and I need to try and get that done. When I first took over the team at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, uh, weren't especially rosy, but we managed to win a, a race with Chaz Mostert that year in, in July and I thought, gee, this caper's bloody easy. Hey, I'm David Reynolds from Penrite Racing and this is Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel post-Queensland Raceway. Craig, you had a busy and productive time uh, at the uh, on the shores of uh, Ipswich. Yes, indeed, Tony, and you'll be hearing a lot of that over the next few weeks. Kicking off this week with Rod Nash, of course, a Supercars board, board member, so when he talks, he is talking with the authority of not only being an owner of Tickford Racing, but also of being in the inner circle. So uh, he speaks about all the things that are the hot-button topics of the moment um, and uh, well, well, and also about some of the things that have gone on the team in the, in the past couple of years. Uh, we'll also have Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske. We'll have uh, Chris Wilson coming up talking about branding and uh, how the market is doing in terms of commercial direction. Uh, and uh, we have a long interview with Matt Stone in, what was that, three weeks' time, uh, where we will hear about how he's going in his second season and some of the hard decisions that he's had to make over this two-year period. So uh, that's quite a fascinating uh, few things that he had to say there. But all the talk in Queensland was, will we be back there? And that has certainly dominated a lot of uh, the discussions over the course of the weekend. And uh, Tom Howard at Speed Cafe is uh, right on the money, as you would expect, with uh, the four events that are vying for two spots left in the championship. And Tony, when, when you're asked to pick two from Townsville, Queensland Raceway, Winton and Phillip Island... Which two do you pick? Uh, to go or to stay? <laughs> well, <laughs> I certainly think that Winton needs to stay, mm-hmm. and I certainly think that for the sake of the category, that Townsville should stay. Um, those two, are, you know, are often into the country, but they're out there in what many call the words heartland, and I think that they both have valid reasons to be there. The other two, uh, Queensland Raceway, yes, you know, it is a, an interesting little track because... Uh, it's uh, six corners and, uh, you know, there are a bunch of reasons why. But that and Phillip Island, I understand that there were huge crowds at uh, Queensland Raceway this week weekend just gone. Honestly, the best crowds I've right? seen in maybe 10 years, Tony. The Friday crowd was enormous. There was, there was people parked on the back straight on a Friday and... Uh, Kids everywhere. The schools were the school program was in full swing, and uh, everyone I spoke to uh, was saying, "Wow, this is a great crowd." So um, it's fascinating that uh, the crowd had come back in in numbers. And uh, you know, if you're making decisions about what do you cut, and you see a crowd like that, you go, "Well, would we? Should we uh, cut this one?" Because once again, it's it's. The problem, in my opinion, isn't with the track at Queensland Raceway. Yes, Sunday was a bit ho-hum, but Saturday was a cracking race. And the 
fans are the ones that get robbed with amenities, not racing, in my opinion. So it's it's a really tricky uh, thing to navigate, um, whether you you know cutting Queensland Raceway. Now another thing that I've asked the question of, and I haven't got a uh, well, I've got an answer, but I don't know if I've got the right answer or not. But if they cut Queensland Raceway and keep Winton, one group of teams have a test track that is still on the calendar. The other group of teams don't have a test track on the calendar. Will we hear cries of blue murder um, if a test track is cut? Because the alternate for the Queensland teams almost would be uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, and that's... What, seven or nine hundred k's away? I can't remember exactly. Anyway, we'll um, look back uh, at the weekend. It was the same two teams that have dominated for the last three years in DJR, Team Penske and Triple Eight. They did all the winning. Um, and uh, on both days, it was virtually the uh, same three teams, including Tickford, that have done the winning this year. Um, both DJR and Triple Eight added a, a race win to each of their respectively. Um, great to see uh, the, the one big plus for the weekend. I thought was that uh, Phil Monday's uh, Red Twenty Three um, got their first podium with Will Davison. They've been promising all year, and and finally it came. Phil's not there, unfortunately. His wife Carolyn uh, had a broken arm, and so he's obviously. Stayed home to look after her, but uh, fantastic for the Red 23, which has run out of Tickford. Great for them to get their first podium, and wonderful for Tickford to get a couple of them. And, of course, uh, Chaz was uh, well represented on both days, and Chaz has done a lot of winning at Queensland Raceway, uh, which is wonderful to see. But uh, um, pit lane chatter was all around the calendar. Uh, some chat about formats, I understand, uh, Craig? Yeah, a lot of chats about formats, and... Uh, rumours abound, and so some of the rumours I heard were um, that the super sprint rounds will be even on both days. They'll have the same race and format on a Saturday as they have on a Sunday. Um, and that's, was... that's about getting the same sort of attraction, isn't it? Getting the same sort of you know reason to go. Yep. Is that right? Well, they're the, they're the same points, yeah. so it makes sense having the same race either day. Yes. This is... And this is all part of the complicated uh, web that it is that is supercars racing, where they've got a kilometre limit, and to get longer races on the Saturday, you have to drop a few rounds because they've got a a window which they've agreed to uh, to have in um, to have in the. Uh, what do you want to call it, to have in the season. So you've got to drop a couple of races so you can bring some of those uh, laps into other tracks and or kilometres into other tracks is the yeah. correct term. So the, the rumour, 200-200 on sprint race weekends. Townsville uh, potentially going back up to 250. Uh, Sandown is, it becomes two 250 races, not one 500. So it'll still be the Sandown 500. But it'll be like Adelaide. It'll be the Sandown Twin 250s. Um, now, I'm saying that with authority. I have also been told that that is wrong. Um, and <laughs> so, uh, and I was told that was wrong today by supercars. So uh, you, you, you asked about the rumours that were going around. They're the rumours that are going around. Supercars are denying that uh, adamant. Well, 
specifically they were denying that Townsville and Sandown will be two two fifties, and um, and that the sprints will be two two hundred k races. But that was definitely the rumours going around. Another man who was absolutely sick of the rumours going around was um, Nick Ryan down at Nissan. And uh, he had been asked by every person who worked past, walked past, oh, are you guys selling a couple of wrecks? Um, he, he has, on more than one occasion on this show, said the Kelly Racing model is a four-car model and that's what their business is based around. Um, so with talk about there'll be more wrecks or teams wanting second wrecks, uh, which was another one of the rumours that were running around. Uh, obviously, they were looking for who might be handing in a wreck. Now, as you well know, Tony, the the series has got contracts with promoters and with a, a governments and events, and they have some uh, requirements. How many cars are the minimum for the main game? And I know there is a lot of concern that some of these contracts require 25 cars on the grid, some of these contracts require 24 cars on the grid. And there is some, some concern going into next year that uh, they need to make sure that they've got 24-25 available to them at every race. All right, well, we better get on with the show. Um, some terrific conversations you had with... Uh, Rod Nash and uh, Macaulay Jones and Gary Jacobson, the two uh, debutantes. Um, they, uh, they're young men. Um, they're finding their way both on, on track and off it. But uh, Rod Nash, one of the most experienced uh, around. He's been in racing long before he was in supercars. He was in Speedway. So this week we've uh, got the fun of listening to Rod Nash expanding on, uh, well, more than just... Uh, wrecks and uh, calendars uh, it's beyond that so after the break we'll be back with rod nash each week join the inside motorsport team as they look at all the news from across australia and around the world still a bit in shock uh <laughs> thanks thanks everyone dissecting the sport with interviews news and opinion got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up you can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be Inside a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock from Truck Assist Techno Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Well, Rod Nash, great to speak with you again. And I guess I'll start with the hardest one. This year we're hearing about a driver wanting or potentially being poached or moving on from your team. Last year, Mark Winterbottom left after quite a long tenure. Are you feeling a little bit like a jilted lover at the moment? People are wanting to leave. No, not at all. Um, you know, we run four cars, so um, you know that's double than what the norm is on two cars. So the laws of averages are you always going to have driver movement. So, but there's a you know there's I think there's a wider um, you know picture about um, uh, when we talk about drivers coming or going because um, you know uh, the teams had a long um, standing. Um, 
um, uh, success with drivers. So it depends which one you're talking about. Because if we're talking about Chaz, I mean, um, uh, Chaz and has hasn't officially left yet. So there's lots of chat, and and it is, it, it is up in his year that. Uh, um, where uh, he's either on a renewal with us or he's not. But Chaz has made it clear too that he has um, great overseas aspirations. But if you look at it as in, uh, I don't feel jilted at all because um, uh, if you look, Al, Chaz has been here for quite some time and so he's a absolute um, you know, result of a, of a great training ground. Um, you know, his apprenticeship with us. Um, you know, come up through the, the DVS Super 2 now um, category and certainly um, raced um, in the main game for uh, since, you know, Car of the Future. So I don't call that as being jilted, even if he does leave, because he's certainly been here for a while, served us well. Naturally, you don't want to lose drivers of, of his calibre, but, you know, good on him if he ends up with, with a, a futuristic option that suits his tenure and again he's made it clear to us all along and and you can tell by the way he operates on on a year on year he doesn't just race in supercars he races in overseas and he does have overseas aspirations and we've always credited that that uh in agreement that if even while he was with us and he got offered a you know a, a reasonable deal well then we would have to consider um releasing him regardless as far as frosty goes yeah same thing but you know that's 13 years on i mean i i quote the same with um you know the bottle sponsorship you know that's sort of uh, i started that one so that's a special one to me and i continue to you know that's up for renewal this year so it's it's just as hard renewing it 13 years after than what it was uh in in the early stages so You've got these variances, but Mark was what Mark was one that I really respect for that time because along the way he would have had plenty of offers and everything else, but he decided to stick with it and good on him because at the end of the day he did win a Bathurst for himself as well as the team and he also won a championship. So, you know, when you sort of just weigh that up, um, nothing stays the same forever, but you know that's just what I call life in the fast lane. Not many people have a career that lasts 13 years in any sort of industry or uh, occupation. Especially in sport, you know, and especially in motorsport. You know, it's it's a tough gig for drivers. I mean, just as tough for the businesses um, as well in it, but, but it's tough for drivers, you know. They get pulled from pillar to post, and one thing all teams are good at is promising the world, you know. So drivers get called up, you know, typically receive phone calls, get, um, you know, um, told the fairy god, other story and um and then they might arrive on the scene not for it just to work out the way it is so you know and we see that often in in motorsports not just us i mean overseas as well but i feel this team has been quite successful at at its uh, history you know the next one in the making is cam waters because he's again been with us for a while now come up through the program and he's you know tim edwards has been a, a real contributor to the category and not just because he's my ceo but like um you know way before my time he's always supported traineeships and i've probably been a bit critical of our pit lane not doing enough there you know uh, the other teams have had all those opportunities as well and haven't done it so you know we've always had a trainee 
um, ship going. And so Waters is that, you know, that next one again. So, you know, I, I actually defend that, like, I think we've had a good innings. And as much as you want things to always, uh, you know, that's that's the problem. You build them up. And um, and then, you know, Chaz is, uh, is a premium driver um, uh, now. But, but that's been as a result of this team. And his commitment, of course, but it's been this team. He hasn't been with any other team, apart from that um, 12-month um, DJR bit, but he was still our driver. Um, you know, so therefore... Um, you know, he's just emerging now as a result of the uh, FPR, Pro Drive, Tickford sort of regime, and um, and yeah, um, more than likely you'll probably just find um, find something else to do. You've mentioned about your Super Two program, and we're seeing with Super Two and Super Three, is it working as the development that you would like to see it? Is it working as that training ground for for people to come through as successfully as it could? Uh, look, um, you know, at, at obviously from being on the Supercars board, I mean, we've been talking about it recently. I mean, Super 3 is just so successful. It just basically happened overnight. And um, and that's really cemented what we're all about. Supercars as a product is strong. Um, Super 2 uh, from DVS, as it was known, has been quite successful along the way. But now implementing Super 3 and then with those other categories of, you know, um, right from karting through, you know, Toyota 86 and and the other um, the other classes that are out there, and then to be able to drop into you know um, a super three, um, I think it's a great training ground. Now, I've always said the the gap from super two to um, main game, it's like there's nine rungs missing out of the ladder to climb up because not too many come out of even the winners come out of um, super two into main game and it, ta- it it's still challenging because it's so competitive so I think it's great having Super 3 there now great step then into Super 2 and then hopefully if there are anybody well then um, they're recruited into, into main game I had someone say something in quite left field yesterday is it time that the Super 2 and the main game grids merge? What's your immediate reaction? No and the reason for no is because uh, uh, you know, I've been here for 22 years, and and when I started and started driving, I remember lining up in you know P56 at Bathurst. So, um, uh, you know, the the point about that is is that um, you know we, we've got this premium number that we're running with, and and um, you know we see it now. Even though you might have sort of finished up the back in a race or even after qualifying, it's not shabby because it's so close. So the teams are all... uh, We've moved on from where, you know, we had privateer style of teams and everything else. So um, uh, this year running the 24 cars, I mean, every single one of those cars is competitive, and we see it. you know, which is which is great, but uh, but yeah, to to merge or just multiply it, uh, you end up you don't end up with that professionalism because it takes takes for a while. And I think the model we've got is great because again, all that having them separated. Um, you know, I just I was just looking at the Super Two uh, um, garages then and the makeups, and they're all very prefer- they're you know they're not far shy of ours. You know, the the transporters and everything else. So. Um, they're they're uh, very much uh, a league of their own, but they're not far behind the main game. So I tend to think the modelling is perfect the way it is. And of course, forgetting about wrecks and that sort of thing, 
for them to have to have the additional people, the additional equipment to pit stop and do all that sort of stuff, then it becomes untenable anyway, which is why the idea is never conceivable. The main game is far from sitting around in banana lounges. It is hard work, you know. And when I say hard work, you know, you know all the teams are working flat out just in their infrastructure uh, themselves you know it's just so competitive and i mean that's a great success story of of supercars parity rules um we're known for it around the world that uh we have close competition but it's because of our very stringent um parity rules so collectively everyone's done a great great job of that but yeah um um the the main game is is um like i said 22 years on and uh i feel i'm working harder than ever before so so that's a it's a good bad good and bad there but the good bit of it is is that um that's what it requires us to do and um and the teams are very professional and that all the teams get along well reasonably at the end of the day but but you don't come to a race meeting and just swan around talking. I mean, everyone is flat out. You try and get a meeting with someone, and it's, you know, um, hard work. So Thomas Randall. Generally, there's not a lot of talk about Thomas taking the next step, but he's in your program, and he seems, in my eyes, to be cherry ripe for the, the step up. How, where do you see his development? Yeah, look, well, he's in, in the middle of his program. I mean, um, uh, you know, doing Super 2, Um you know, there'll be some announcements shortly about um, what else he's doing this year. So, um, you know, he's just uh, it with within one of those programs I was referring to before of, of Tim's, you know. So, um, and he's aware of what his program is and, um, and, and we have a structure within that uh, coaches him through all that. So, yeah, it's, um, it's not a discussion at this point about where to from here um we just execute the program and you get to the end of the year and then you review and then you look forward of what we all feel that what one should do as well as look at the opportunities um because if there's no seats in the main game it's a bit hard to get a seat so but but that's just things that come and come up but we just sort of go through our program for the year concentrate on the year and back to Chaz, same thing. Chaz is very committed. You know, even though we're all working through the business modelling of of where what he might do himself, um, nothing's changed uh, from certainly Tickford's side. And him and I had a good chat at Townsville, and he's absolutely committed that you know we um, we still got uh, you know quite a lot of and good races to go for the year. And he's he's very committed, and that's what he's focused on. So you got to be able to parallel these things. And and Thomas is just in that parallel, as in. Um, you know he's he's out there and he certainly um you know he's he's showing good form and um we just got to keep working him through it the calendar's not far away from being announced and there has been a push and a lot of talk about scaling back the number of events a lot of events have been muted as being on the chopping block but playing devil's advocate should queensland raceway Phillip Island, Winton be the ones that are up for discussion. If Queensland Raceway or Winton are chopped and the other one isn't, how would you manage testing? Would I'm going to go? I'll just pick a track. Queensland goes, Winton stays. For how do you manage that? Victorian teams will be able to test on a track that's in the championship, and Queensland teams wouldn't have a track because you can't test at Townsville and Gold Coast. 
Yeah, well, first of all, I, I won't make any comment on the calendar because uh, we're still working on it. Um, all I'll say is that, um, yes, it's not far from, uh, for release and we're hoping to finalise it um, in the near future, but certainly um, it is a great structure of calendar, um, totally different what we've done before, um, and um, it's more been looked at, um, you know, um, uh, track by track, um, area by area, um, state-based. Um, you know, we've got um, great support from all governments um, around Australia. So, you know, there's been a, um, quite a lot of work gone into the whys and the hows and and even um, massaging, you know, the, the events. Um, some of those events we've looked at really strongly as in, OK, how can we massage it? What, what else can we do that we haven't done before? So... Um, there's been some great effort go into it, and I think everyone should receive the the new style of it and the and the format of of some of them um, quite well. As far as the testing of the tracks go, that, that that doesn't stop you just using a track. Maybe years ago uh, that might have been. Um, a disbenefit by if you, if one track dropped off and um, and that wasn't a track you went to, whereas uh, another track um, you might race at and then other states get to race on it. But our, our testing now is so minimal, it doesn't mean anything. Um, there, there'd be no advantage. I mean, uh, whether one track drops off or not um, between states, I mean, because our testing's so low and because we've done so many miles around these tracks, there would be no advantage by... Um, you know, if one of those tracks dropped off and then, you know, um, then the other track you, you go to, well, that's an advantage because, you know, we'll, we'll come, we're, we're at QR this weekend, obviously, and, um, and you know, Jummy Wing Cup, I'm sure, has done six trillion laps around here and on the laws of averages, well, then he should be the, the rightful winner. Well, he may not be the rightful winner because that's the way it goes and that's again, goes back to our, our category I was referring to before because of the parity there's no real benefit of tracks so but in in straight answer to it that still doesn't stop if a track was to be dropped that doesn't stop you just using that for that minimal testing so can i assume from that discussion you wouldn't have a scenario where if one or the other test track goes you wouldn't say well we're going to not let teams test at the track that's still on the calendar They'll have to use an alternate venue. And obviously that's easier if it's in Victoria. You could always test at Phillip Island, whereas in Queensland, I don't know if you could test at Morgan Park. Because of the minimal test days we've got now, you're not going to a track to to test the track. You're going to the track to test your stuff you got. I mean, the, the, the teams are flat out bolting unbolting on a on a test day so you're you're not concentrating on that track you're concentrating on what you're testing and before you know it it's five o'clock in the day the day's over and and you're literally down the last minute so that's why it it um it stacks up in my view that i don't think there's any disbenefit or benefit either way because you're literally just going to a track to test your new widgets and and you know chuck a driver in um for evaluation or whatever it might be um but you know again un- uh, even under v- evaluation it's not the track you're just evaluating that driver against some data of your own drivers and it's purely just that so yeah i think uh, i uh, um, we've moved on a lot from from previous years where that could that can work either way what 
many of the fans might not realise is, you, as a general rule, there's a number of kilometres a year the series sets for how how long the races are, how the races are. So with dropping races back, one can only assume that it allows you more flexibility with what sprint rounds might be, what other f- events might be, and potentially even more endurance racing because two two events would equal one endurance race. Well, let's just see uh, when the calendar comes out because, uh, yeah... Um uh, lots of comment there that uh, the tracks are dropping off. Well, let's just see what the calendar says. And, yeah. uh, the theory that I'm espousing is is a correct theory. The the kilometres you're not going to drop back in kilometres you're racing. No, well we have, we've got a minimum amount of kilometres we've got to run. So um, you know that's just a reality. And 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 you know you can um, there's there's varying there's varying ways of um, of doing kilometres, you know, because that comes down to race formats that determine kilometres. So, um, and that's all part of that equation I was referring to before. There's been a lot of pillars that that we've looked at um, across the board um, for um, you know what works for you know particular tracks and what can we change and and what can we up the ante on and how do we make it more exciting and you know there's a whole lot of everything going on and in, in the in the modern day land of of media land on tv uh, ratings well that's why we have to work hard because that's what it's all about with the strength of super two and super three is there an ability now where those two categories could form part of another race weekend? Supercars is an, a, an events-based company. Are we getting close to a point where those two could form a part of, of another race weekend that might not include the main game? Or is the series so dependent on the main game as being the only draw card? Um, you, you just got to face the reality on that one. Um, no, it wouldn't work with it being separate because you know it's it's our race weekend. When I say ours, it's that it's supercars' main game. I mean, there's no getting away from it, and that's what people plan and and come to the, the to to watch you know the program um, on TV um, to do. So that's where you need it underpinned. That's what's that's what creates the su- success, as in the Super Two and the Super Three guys to be able to go out and woe sponsors themselves because they're on they're on our card on the main ticket card and that's where the tv is whereas if they ran their own thing you know that um you know it's just reality that you wouldn't get the take up trying to get to tv costs a lot to roll out so it amateurizes itself where it's all doing it the one race meeting to try and do it at other race meetings you know the, the cost of production is way too high for the rewards. So yeah, it just it's just commerciality why why it doesn't why it wouldn't work. I guess because we talked about kilometres, there's another equation, and that is the deal with Foxtel and Ten about how many hours of product you need to give them. So dropping races means you've got to find, well, depending depending on the structure, you'd have to find those hours again potentially. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's just all part of it, you know. And uh, but, but just remember too that, like, um, uh, the uh, the um, the companies like Foxtel and that, um, you know, they like it when they see us working hard at at um, growing the. Uh, the uh, structure of the of the business because that just creates more interest and that means that's more 
um, packs on seats, so to speak, meaning more subscriptions and everything else. So sometimes it's not just about the kilometres. It's about the quality and the standard of what we're doing. And um, and that's what delivers the rating. So, um, you know, uh, I don't believe uh, everyone bogs down about kilometres. It's uh, kilometres are part of contracts, but, but nonetheless, it's the show that we put on. And we are an entertainment show. So every time we do something, and again, next year's calendar, I'll hint that there's some exciting um, format in that, and uh, and that will 100% bring rating uh, or grow ratings. Um, so therefore, that would please a Foxtel, a 10, or whoever it might be. Yeah. Rod, it's always great to catch up with you. And uh, I must say, Queensland Raceway this weekend, uh, the crowd is, hasn't been bigger in the last... I reckon seven or eight years. It's been uh, fantastic to see so many people here at the track. Yeah, I noticed that coming in this morning. I even noticed it yesterday. Like I, I made the comment twice in two days that like um, there's a lot of people around. So um, weather's nice up here, seeing uh, we're Melbourneian. So, um, um, but yeah, good to see. It's always look. It doesn't matter about uh, what track it is. Uh, Winton's the same. When you when you uh, stand back and watch that. Um, I call it mini uh, camping of Bathurst now. You know, that keeps growing as Bathurst is doing. It's good to see that happening. So same thing here this weekend. Um, you know, it's good to see everyone coming out and that usually drives people for hopefully there's more that come out tomorrow then. After a break on Inside Supercars this week with Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, we've got Macaulay Jones and Gary Jacobson telling us of their year and debut in supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Will Brown, co-driver of the Penrite Racing number 99 car for Anton Di Pasquale. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Gary Jacobson, halfway through, or a bit over halfway through your rookie year, what's the feelings like about what it's like in the main game? Uh, yeah, for me, I, I would have liked to have got some better results at this stage. I think... Um, when it's raining and there's mixed conditions, I think I've got a bit more of a chance to get up the field. Uh, in reference to Townsville, I think that was the first time we were in contention to get a top 10 and then you know a bit of bad luck in some stages with engine issues and things like that. So certainly enjoying the, the challenge of it in terms of learning the super soft tyre, learning how to work with uh, the Cali Racing crew, but um, yeah, still hungry to get better results which is probably what every rookie says I suppose you, you get to this uh, main game platform and you s- realise how competitive it really is and uh, yeah it certainly made me a lot hungrier determined to fix every little thing that I can possibly do from my end about you know just getting the most out of green tyre laps and getting the most out of making sure that I'm smooth and making sure that you know I'm getting the most out of my tyres throughout a full stint and things like that so plenty to work on and and uh, yeah enjoying the challenge of that. You did the apprenticeship, though, winning, going up through the ranks, but I've had it said to me that it's like nine rungs between Super 2 and the main game. Does it feel like that? Um, I, I feel like I'm driving well thanks to my preparation in Super 2. I feel like um, in terms of 
having the complete package underneath me this year, though, it's been tricky. <clears throat> We've had a different aero package this year, which has thrown a lot of different car setups in my directions in terms of what we're trying from our car from round to round. And it's a different car each time you drive it at the moment. So, uh, yeah, whether the team has chosen to do that to try and use the experience that I've got as probably a mature age rookie, I'd say, um, probably hasn't helped me because, yeah, when, when you're driving a car that's pretty different every time you go out, sometimes that's a bit of a struggle to be on top of your driving. So, um I think now we've seen a little bit more consistency in my race pace and that's because we're starting to just keep things a little bit more simple and not being throwing different setups at it each night and things like that. So I think the other thing too is since I've had Chris Stuckey come on board with me, um, he's like a bit of a seasoned engineer sort of thing. We, I was working with Gio at the start of the year and he was putting all the effort in like I was, but we were two rookies at the same time trying to work together. So I needed a bit more experience around me earlier in the year and they made that change just just to help me not have to do as much of the instigating in terms of what we're focusing on i could just focus on my driving for a change and um and have an engineer that had a lot of experience so that helped me a lot um but yeah we've sort of been improving as the year has gone on but we've sort of had some engine issues now that have got in the way of that so we don't have hardcore results to actually show our improvements but um, we've certainly been our race paces getting towards that top 15 stage now, which is good to see. I, I imagine you go, I want to be top 10s by about the middle of the year or, or by Bathurst and, and then go from there. Is that, is that still the realistic goal to be focusing on or have you had to reset to top 15? Yeah, we, we had to reset uh, and that's just an honest answer. I think um, from where we're at, with the team um, earlier in the year, myself and Simona, we've probably been a little bit off Rick and Andre. So trying to drive to a top 10 standard uh, probably would result in me and Simona overdriving and making things worse. So I think I I would be happy with top 15 and um, I still value small improvements because it's more the process that I want to get right with the package I've got underneath me. Um, So... You know, you communicate with your sponsors throughout the year about where the expectations are. You, you probably get um, worried sometimes when you're not up the peak, pointy end of the field like I've been sort of used to in Super 2 for so long. But I've got a great foundation behind me that's, you know, I've had a good relationship with, obviously, Corey Brown from Rabble and and his ties with getting me into this, you know, situation of, of being a rookie in his first season. So um, I work really close with Corey and, and I have great support behind me. So that helps me sort of settle in and, and you know not being trying to overdrive and, and and put massive expectations on myself and just settle and value the process of improving rather than the top 10 results and trying to overdo it. When you're not driving the car and, and preparing for racing, what are the demands like? Are there a big difference in corporate and, and team responsibilities away yeah. from the track? Yeah, and I actually enjoy that part because it's... If in this modern era you're not doing those sorts of things, you're not really learning how to sustain um, growth in what you're doing outside of the car. So, um, you know, I I have my own pre-briefs whenever, you know, Andre or Rick might be away racing in other categories or Rick might be on, um, you know, a trip up north or Andre might be racing in Asia somewhere. 
I'll organise my own pre-briefs. So I like the routine um, because you're racing more often and I like being able to see the guys more often in between the rounds and things like that. So, um, yeah, sometimes I might be there by myself, but I still value the... the um, the routine of working with the team to work on everything, the little things. And then in terms of chucking me into the deep end sometimes with, um, you know, media commitments and commercial requirements, I really value that working with Lauren and, and Nick Ryan and Brooke uh, Taylor in terms of what they want me to talk about when I go to certain events and learning how to, you know, um, focus on what it means for the team and doing those little things for the team. I think they value that a lot. And, you know, you don't groan about it and say, oh, I can't be bothered going to... Tasmania for a day I actually enjoy that sort of stuff because it's just as important as the driving obviously these days to keep your seat and keep your uh, your value high as possible so yeah I actually enjoy it. <laughs> well there's a few big trophies up for grabs and we wish you all the best as you are uh, challenged for those coming into the back part of the season. Uh, thank you it will take a lot of hard work but I'm actually enjoying the, the grind and uh, yeah hopefully we can get something out of the year. Macaulay Jones uh, partway through or home but over halfway through your rookie year how are you coming to grips with what the main game's like yeah I'm definitely uh still coming to grips with it really it's it is such a a challenging thing it's um it's such a big step up and we just got to keep chipping away at it really um you know I've sort of got a saying going just chop wood carry water and just um you know we just keep working harder at it and and um seeing what I can learn it is you know like I said it's a big step up there's so many more factors involved in in the main series is what there is um, in the Super 2. So trying to get my head around it is has been difficult and, and it's definitely challenging. And, and uh, this weekend was a tough one for us, for sure. And the year, you've had as many hits as Elvis almost. Yeah, yeah it definitely feels like that at the moment. You know, we've been caught out a little bit uh, with some bad luck and, and, you know, some parts of, of me, you know, that, that also didn't help. And, you know, I've had a crash at Darwin, um, you know, and then and then I got taken out at the first race there as well. So, you know, and then we come here, we have a bit of an issue this morning with um, with something failing and, and spinning me around at, at turn one. And, and that wasn't uh, that wasn't a good thing either. But we're, uh, yeah, like I said, we're just chipping away at it. What's the biggest difference for you? to move from Super 2 now to main game? Um, I think it's just how on it they are. I mean, it's, um, you know, you've only got two half an hour practice sessions and and then, you you know, you, you're putting in four sets of tyres in between those two two sessions and it's, you know, you're, you've you got to be so on top of it, you know, you don't have time to think really and, and, you know, the session's over before you know it. So, and something like I'm learning off Nick at the moment is his drive, his driving style. He changes it every single time he's out there, and nearly every every lap, and and he adapts to the car really well. And it's just taking me a, a few extra laps to do that, and and really feel comfortable in the car. I just you know we're we're trying to find a bit of a setup direction for me at the moment that that I feel comfortable with, and and you know something like today we tend to burn the tires away from it, and and it, it makes it very difficult. But um, yeah, we're just just trying to learn as we go. What about away from the track is different? Yeah, there's a lot different, actually. You know, I was, I was a full-time mechanic uh, in, in the past six years, six and a half years. So now I, I've taken a bit of a step back there. I tend to help the Super 2 and the Super 3 guys out um, a little bit with the spanners, but um, definitely not full-time. Um, we, we find we're having a lot more meetings than I've ever had in my life, which is, uh, you know, a big change because I'm someone that doesn't like to sit down for three hours straight. So... Um, but you know, I, I enjoy working with my engineer Julian Stannard a lot, and uh, he, he's been really good for me. So we just uh, 
yeah, we just review pretty much every single thing that we can uh, going into a weekend and, and post a weekend as well. And I think the post weekend ones are just way more, you know, way more important for me at the moment. Is it almost death by statistics and information? Um, it can be. Um, definitely is very difficult. I mean, we spend more time looking at data and debriefing than what we do actually on track, it feels. So that's a difficult one. And, and you know, to get better at racing cars, you've got to race cars. And and uh, that's, that's a hard one. What about on the sponsor side? Obviously, Tim Blanchard being a part of Cool Drive, how much is their requirements from you as their driver? Oh, look, I mean, Timmy's been in the game for a long time, so he understands when it's, um, you know, when, when it's required and when uh, he needs to take a step back. So he's really good with it. I, uh, you know, I appreciate all the support that him and, and Cool Drive have for me, and, and it's great to have him on board. And, you know, I mean, we look at footage together, and, and he helps me out with, uh, with just about anything that he can. And, um, you know, we've got a ride day coming up tomorrow, and, and I get to see all his his crew from um, around the country nearly at every round and, and there is, it's a, such a big company and, and they have a lot of customers so it's, uh, it's good to, to be involved with them. What about now as you get ready for the, the, the big trophy races if you like, uh, the Enduros, what is the plan now? How do you take what you've learned so far and then try and move forward from there? Yeah, as Dean Kando just walks past not too long ago. So it's, uh, I'm excited to work with him. He's got a lot of knowledge. And, and for me, I'm just going race meeting to race meeting. I don't, you know, I don't have uh, you know, Bathurst in the back of my head yet. I'm sort of going to tail and bend and, and, and I don't even, can't even think of what's after that. So at the moment, it's just I'm trying to go race meeting by race meeting. If I think too far ahead, uh, you know, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself really. Um, and i just got to focus on what we can improve on now and, and hope by then we're, you know, we're, we're better and getting these little one percenters in check. Since you've known Dean's coming on board and Dean's been able to uh, do a bit of stuff in around the team, have you learnt things from him as well and what sort of focus has he actually changed in you? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't actually had much of a run in the car yet. So, you know, we only, we only just announced it a few weeks ago. So it's uh, very green. But, you know, he's been here this weekend and we sort of chat through it. And he was there after the race today and just, again, chatting through it and, and sort of getting my feedback and, and seeing what, he's, what input he can have. And, um, you know, but he's, he's very supportive. And I think he knows that, you know, he, he respects that I'm a rookie as well and he's in his 21st year. So he's been in the game a long time and he, he knows what's going on. So um, I am very excited to learn off him. He's, uh, he's going to be good for me. Well, we wish all, all the best to the bend and beyond. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's going to be a good one. Our final break for this week's show, Inside Supercars. We'll be back right after this. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bear Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Shell V Power Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig, final thoughts. It's been a, uh, a busy weekend. You've been flying around the country. I've been sitting back and in... Enjoying watching the television. 
It's not as well covered as I'd like. One of the things I'm horrified to hear about was the uh, the penalty, uh, the fine for uh, the Ford poster. I think that some things are very misguided in supercars, and that's one of them. Remember that time when uh, uh, a $3,000 fine for somebody standing up on the... Uh, on the um, pit lane wall, was it James Courtney or someone like that? And Tony Cochran paid the fine? The $10,000 fine, as we all know, Tony, isn't about, as they first said, WHS or uh, littering. It's about the sponsor at the back has paid a lot of money to make sure they're in the photo. And when someone puts up a poster, it's blocking out people who paid money to be there. So that's really what the uh, fine is all about. $10,000 is just heavy because probably the three and four thousand dollar fines didn't actually work but the question would be don't the fines go to cams so supercars don't even get the money (laughs) yes indeed indeed an interesting um, stat though is that it melted down the uh speed cafe site uh the the comments and it crashed the site it was that heavy a traffic and uh, great to see djr team penske uh, making replica posters now that they're going to uh, sell off for camp quality, and they're hopeful that they'll be raising um, raising uh, a goodly amount, maybe even ten thousand dollars for camp quality. Of course, uh, DJR Team Penske have to pay a ten thousand dollar fine, and I think with this and uh, what happened on the podium, and considering it was a Ford poster. You might expect uh, that uh, the manufacturer might uh, throw a few bucks that way to pay it off because you can't ask for better publicity, can you? No, indeed not, and uh, they certainly deserve it. Ford of uh, Australia have done a terrific job from where we thought just a few years back they were going to disappear from the sport. And this is the surprising thing to me, that you would think that supercars would be doing all they can to sort of say to Ford, congratulations on achieving what you've done, rather than it seems that every turn they've been, and I think to the point where maybe over in Perth early this year, um, that... uh, Tim Sindrick and maybe Roger Penske said to uh, supercars, you ain't going to touch us again. You know, leave our cars alone. So, anyway, it certainly adds all grist to the mill. Thank you for joining us on Inside Supercars. It's uh, three weeks now to uh, Tail and Ben, and we look forward to you joining us again in the following week on Inside Supercars. And it's good night from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.